Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan. Sponsored by insuremycars.ie. Low cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at insuremycars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Dublin's Talking Sports. Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Morning, Reg. How are you? Ah, never better. It's not too bad a day here in Dublin. Everything's all right. Plenty of sport going on. Had a good week. Um, Played golf yesterday. So, uh, yeah, all in all, everything's pretty good. All good with you? Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah, the weather's beautiful here. Uh, Although the snooker didn't go too well yesterday. I lost lost the Williams yesterday and uh, won my last match, but knocked out of the group stages. But, ah, well, not, not, not to worry. Not to worry. Well, like it, fish to fry, right? yeah, and Williams is uh, in good form <laughs> these days. Anyway, so it was a tough, a tough match. Yeah, yeah, tough out match. Yeah, but looking forward to the the football, of course, the weekend. As you mentioned, I'm sure Declan and uh, Jane in the studio there rubbing their hands, and uh, as we all are in anticipation, cracking quarterfinals coming up. You know, 140, 150 thousand people over the weekend at the Crow Park and. And, of course, the big game at 4 o'clock on Sunday, Dublin Mayo. Well, you know, the curse is gone now, so Mayo guaranteed they're going to win it. Like, it's a <laughs> complete foregone conclusion that they're going to win the All-Ireland now. So that's the chat, yeah. anyway. Not oh, so it? sure. Oh, the curse is gone. They're, they're all past, have they? Yeah, yeah, the last oh, of it no, is. The last, the last have gone. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I didn't realise that. But, yeah, yeah. No, they've, well, they've had so many great games down, down through the last, like, you know, 10 or 15 years, and... I'm sure Sunday is going to be another cracker, you know, there's 80,000 people there and it'll be uh, fantastic, yeah, great occasion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's loads of great football, of course. Tyrone taking on Kerry as well today. Yeah. Uh, again, a lot of people saying Tyrone have a chance in that one. I don't know yeah. myself now. I think Kerry are a serious machine at the moment. Um, Armand Monaghan as well, the other one in Croke Park at 6 o'clock this evening. Monaghan yeah. put up a good display last week. Armagh red-hot favourites, but you never know. It could be a few yeah, upsets. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to a few lads last night. There's a lot of people that feel Tyrone are going to overthrow Kerry and Mayor are going to overthrow Dublin. And uh, I don't see it myself. But um, I know one lad putting on a double on that. He really thinks that's going to happen. So yeah. we'll have to see. Yeah, well, you just never know. Do you? you know, the sport has thrown up a lot of like shocks over the years, and particularly at Crow Park. And uh, nothing is a foregone conclusion. I think the matches are going to be pretty tight. To be honest, you know, mm. some cracking matches in there. And don't be surprised if Monaghan turn over Armagh. That was that. That might be the one. That might be the big shock there. Well, that would be a shock. There's no question yeah. about it. Um, you've been watching the United deal closely, I suppose. All of this yeah, talk of the done, Rich. I mean, as far as United fans are going, uh, you know, very frustrating. You know, it's still not done. We're sort of, uh, you know beginning of the sort of transfer and trying to get players into the club players out of the club and uh, this saga has been going on it's down to the Glazers they're just holding out with more money it's ridiculous uh, it's very frustrating for United fans and uh, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's ridiculous really you know but like I mean it, it it seems I don't know it seems like the deal of a lifetime um it gets them out <laughs> with yeah, serious yeah. profit. What's what's the snag on it? Do you think? Is there? I don't know. I don't know yeah. whether they still want to hold on to the club. They're holding out for more money. I think they're 
it was selling it for six billion. They bought it for less than a billion. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're going to make a huge profit. And they have been taking money out of the club over the years. Now, they have been putting money in, don't mm. get me wrong. Mm. You know, they spent, uh, I think, 1.6 billion since they've been in there on players. But uh, they've been taking money out and they're getting a good deal. It's just like, do the deal and get on with it, whoever it's going to be. It looks more like the Qataris. How would you uh, feel about that? Um, to be honest, I don't know. I think they'd have plenty of money. I mean, they'd, they'd spend a lot of money. Uh, but I don't know about, I don't know much about Jim Ratcliffe's claw. Yeah. Uh, but I think if his deal goes through, he still has the glazers there in some sort of capacity, which United fans wouldn't like. I certainly wouldn't like. So uh, it kind of brings parties uh, owner, owners. I don't know much about them, to be honest. You know, yeah, but doesn't it bring uh, United in line with the other clubs then that are kind of you know? it's heading down the direction of every club in England in the Premiership is just going to be foreign owned and mm. like is it taking the heart out of the out of the game altogether you look at Newcastle and what's happening and I know the fans are happy and you're getting yeah. results and, and you're pushing back up the table again but you wonder is it just going to destroy is it all just going to be oil money yeah is it eventually game? like I mean every team just going to be owned by some baron and is it just going to be the heart gone out of it yeah yeah, I mean, the ideal situation would be for the fans to own most or have some sort of part in it, but I can't see that happening, you know. It's, it's, uh, it would be nice, but I just can't see it. I think it's people with the, with the biggest checkbooks now that are, are going to sort of dominate the, uh, yeah, the football world, mm. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Any uh, good transfer talk? Have you been hearing any rumours? Uh, no, but I, I tell you what, the highest situation, I mean, the way they've treated him, he's been such a great servant to the club as well. Mm. Uh, the salary has been because you know he's getting to to an age, but he's been a wonderful serve, been our greatest ever goalkeeper, the most clean sheets, and uh, they gave him a deal. He signed it, and then they reneged on it, and they wanted to come back and and lower his salary even more. You know, so it's uh, yeah, it's just not good business the way they're treating some of the players, and particularly the hair who's been a wonderful servant. You know. Now, Kirsten Selber is a massage therapist and yoga teacher with two master's degrees and a background in education. She also runs a personal training studio in Dublin. But uh, on top of all that, she's tried to set a new world record by um, lifting 700 pounds in the squat, in the belted squat machine. Uh, and that's a pretty a huge amount of weight for any of you who can't quite comprehend it. Um, and uh, I'm going to talk to Kirsten now. Kirsten, it's very good to talk to you. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm not so bad. I'm I'm questioning your sanity a little bit because I would have done uh, quite a bit of squatting in in the old days and deadlifting and everything else. And uh, 700 pounds is an enormous amount of weight, just um, under 350 kilos. And uh, <laughs> why are you trying to do this? Oh yeah, good question. And it's uh, it's exactly 320 kilos actually. And I I really feel that. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to do it is I, I believe that we all have this potential that we're not quite getting to and that um, society kind of puts a lot of limitations on us. And we may not all want to lift heavy weights, but everybody has something, dreams and aspirations, things that they want to do. And what I get from a lot of my clients is they think things are too late or that they're not good enough at doing all of these things. But in my experience, it's just about... Uh, just dropping your limitations, not thinking about them at all, and just being in the present moment, and then you can actually do so much more. Hmm. 
There's no doubt about that. But for for our listeners, just explain what a belted squat machine is so they can get some sort of a picture of it. Yeah. So basically, a belted squat machine is a machine where you can do a squat. And instead of having it loaded onto your back, you have it loaded onto your hips. So there's a belt around your waist and the belt is sitting on your on your hip bones. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, attached to uh, to an arm that has uh, plates on it. So you so it's plate loaded and uh, when you squat down you're in effect then lifting all of the plates as you squat but not with your back just with your legs. Just with your legs. So it's more of an isolating squat exercise really than than a back loaded squat. And that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to do it because it, it, you don't get any of the normal if you have squatted, you don't get any of the normal compression that you might get in your back from doing a heavy squat. And uh, you just um, end up building your legs rather than building your whole body when you're squatting. Uh, this is not a question that I would ordinarily ask anybody, or in particular a, a woman, about their weight. But I want our listeners to get a, a, an idea of the ratio of what we're talking, body weight to, you know, yeah. 700 pounds of 320 kilos. I mean, I know I'm 120 kilos, so that that's three of me almost uh, in okay. this, uh, you know, it's, it's a phenomenal weight to lift. Yeah, so basically I weigh 74 kilos. And wow. just to put that into a frame of reference as well, uh, the person who has the current female world record in a back-weighted squat uh, in the 75-kilo category has lifted 578.7 pounds. So 700 pounds is quite a bit more than that, even though it's not exactly the same type of squat. Hmm. And, and what, uh, obviously you've been training for this, what has been your personal best so far? Um, <clears throat> I have lifted uh, 380 kilos. That's my personal best. Wow. So I have done quite a bit more than what I'm going to do now. But um, I, I figured I wanted to have the experience of just doing a few really heavy lifts so that I'd be short to nail the 700 pound lift. Yeah. And uh, do you have a, a background in powerlifting? Um, no, pro- not at all. No. And that's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to do it. But um, I actually uh, just I just really enjoy lifting weights and when I lift weights I feel happy yes. <laughs> give me something to lift basically yeah. uh, I, I love weight training and uh, because I, to me uh, weight training is a bit like a meditation so I wouldn't weight train the way a normal person might weight train where you uh, go to the gym and then you kind of hang around for an hour and you do a bit of lifting and then you sit on the machine etc if I'm weight training it takes no more than 20 minutes and uh, I'm kind of about my business in the gym and I get into a flow stage where I drop all thinking and then I just feel um, kind of happy and I feel like ah if this lift went well maybe I'll lift a little more and then I lift a little more and it all feels kind of effortless and fun and I, I wouldn't at all um, agree with what most people who lift say. They say, oh, you know, the moment where you want to stop is the moment where you need to keep going. I just, if I feel like I shouldn't lift something, I never lift it. Okay, okay. So you train, uh, you, you, you know, you've got clients as well that you train in your personal training studio and you talk about the fact that um, how you can use your mind to lift weights uh, as much as the obviously the muscles that are needed to do that. How much of a believer are you in that over, over mind over matter? 
Yeah, I'm a very strong believer in it. And uh, there is lots of research to show that there is a connection between the mind and the muscle fiber. There's actually uh, loads of research into it now. So pretty much all trainers at this point knows that there is a connection. But I, I just think that most people don't realize how much you can deepen that connection because if you learn how to really, really have a deep level of attention and then you learn how to direct it into exactly the muscle type that you want to use and you can even get to a point where you learn how to relax all muscle fiber that you don't want to use and just get your attention into the muscle fiber that you do want to use you can actually sculpt or build pretty much any shape that you want mm. and I uh, wanted to prove that when I turned 40 so I actually I did, then I did a body transformation where I put on 15 kilos of muscle right. and I went from weighing 58 kilos to weighing uh, 74 kilos but now it's time to turn our attention to golf and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Johnny McCann of the Bogeyman podcast of course that's the podcast for all Irish golf enthusiasts um, from the club players point of view as well as big interviews with major winners and Ryder Cup stars too so Johnny McCann you're very welcome to the show Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you. Great to have you. And a wonderful time of year. The golf is well and truly uh, underway and flowing at the moment. And there was a big event up in Seapoint. We we, um, we spoke about it a couple of weeks here. Uh, Ken was, uh, I think he went up and he was doing a little bit up there as well himself. But the uh, Irish Legends Tour was on up there, hosted by Des Smith and Roddy Carr. Yes, indeed. So that's a tournament that previously was up in um, Rochatana and Dunningham. But this year it's brought out to Seapoint. And yeah, it was a great event, uh, won by Peter Baker, who shot a course record in the second day. He shot 18 under overall. He won by a bit of a margin, so his final round was a bit of a more than anything. But it's a great event, golf and legends, including a Masters winner, Ian Woosnam, um, Open winner, Paul Laurie, and US Open winner, Michael Campbell, were all competing. As you mentioned there, there was a celebrity program as well, which saw well-known sports and stars and cultural faces competing on the links as well. Jason McIntyre, uh, Euron Kandardi. Shay Given, Daniel Donnell, Brian McFadden all competed. But it was Teddy Sheringham and actually my, my co-host, Michael <laughs> Stiles, who took the spoils. Um, and it was, a, it was a great event. Thousands attended over the weekend. And it marks the, busy, the, marks the start of a busy summer season for Irish professionals. Yeah, and I mean, as you said, thousands went. It's a very popular event, I suppose. Uh, still plenty of uh, nostalgia around for some of the older faces, but also uh, some classic golf going on. I mean, 80 and under, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a great score and it's a tough course, Seapoint. Yeah, it is. And so Peter shot the second round 63. I think average scoring on the day was about two over or three over. So it's not like everyone was going low. He's actually the only person that went low. Um, so it just made his, his round all the more impressive. And yeah, it was great to see. I mean, I'm obviously a very big golf fan. So getting to hit golf balls in the range with next to Ian Wisdom or Michael Campbell or the likes of those guys was a dream come true for myself. Absolutely, I can well imagine it. Yeah, they're they're absolute legends of the game, no question about it. And speaking of legends of the game, uh, Porrick Harrington still going from strength to strength. Some might have uh, thought they could write him off as he moved towards the senior tours, but uh, not, not the case at all. If anything, he's found a new lease of life. The first man uh, to defend the Dick's Sporting Goods Open on the uh, Champions Tour in the USA. Yeah, he shot six birdies and eagle in seven stretch in the back nine in the final round. That helped Corey Carrington come from pretty much nowhere, to be honest, mm. to ambush the leaders and retain his title. He finished 18 under par after, again, a final round 63. And now this week, Corey goes into the uh, Seniors Open and he has the opportunity to defend, defend the title. He'll be the first person on the Champions Tour to go back-to-back 
over two weeks across a regular event and the major. So that's going on at the moment at Century World Golf Course in Michigan. He had a tough first day. The second day was a little better, but he's, I mean, you can't write him off, really. No, I love I love following him on Twitter, and he puts up lots of very good YouTube and Twitter uh, tips for us, uh, very very amateur golfers, and uh, they're always himself and Wilson are always putting up uh, some great tips on that for us. But uh, he seems to be going from strength to strength, and if anything, it's almost as if the pressure has been lifted off him, and he's just able to relax about his golf and just enjoy it because he really looks like he's enjoying it these days. He really does, and he's playing playing better than ever. He's swinging the golf ball, golf golf club faster than ever. He's able to max out his swing speed at about 180 miles per hour. So, for context, Roy McIlroy kind of sits at 188. Support sitting up there with the big boys when it comes to hitting the golf ball a long way. He claims so well that we were talking about this in the podcast this week. The onus is nearly on his job to give us a reason why he shouldn't be mm. on the team year of team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I always found it fascinating. I remember when he won the Open and that that those amazing scenes. And uh, I can't remember what club it was. It might have been a tour or something very low that he hit in. That was a really risky shot, but he took it on anyway. And that was the winning of the Open for him, really. But you know, after that, you'd hear him talking about tweaking his swing and changing his swing and looking for perfection. And I was kind of going, why would you ever tamper with something that's so brilliant? Uh, but it's obviously what keeps him going to the level that he's at now. It is. He's really the consummate perfectionist. Never the best in his laurel. Like you said, he's swinging the golf ball faster than ever, up close faster than ever. He's fitter than he ever was as well. Um, he seems to be a man that just loves to compete and he'll do whatever he can to compete. And long may it last. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we we love following it. Uh, um, as well, uh, as I said, golf in Ireland on the whole, uh, just in a very strong, healthy place and uh, none more so leading the way on that than Leona Maguire, who won her second LPGA title uh, in the Major Open uh, two weeks ago. But of course, um, we had high hopes. We were talking about it last week uh, for Baltusserol as well uh, in New York, but it just wasn't to be on the final day. Yeah, so she went straight from her Meyer Open win to being in contention at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship golf stroll. She was, as you mentioned, in the final group alongside her fellow countrywoman, Stephanie Meadow. Both fell a little bit short in the final round. I think when it came to Leona, it was just a case of she'd won so much energy used in winning tournaments that she was probably just exhausted. She's also a KPMG ambassador, so... For the week of a major, being a KPMG ambassador like that, I'm sure she'd be pulled into 19 different directions. But the major was won by Rune and Yin of China. It was China's first major. Um, so the US Open actually now takes place this week after a week off from the LPGA. It's taken place from July 6th to Mount Pebble Beach in California. This is a huge deal for women's golf, as women's LPGA tournament has never actually been held at Pebble Beach before. So finally, the women are getting a golf course worthy of their caliber of golf. Yeah, and that will be fascinating to watch because uh, the standard of women's golf, I watch a lot of it, it's just it's gone through the roof in recent years. But uh, you would say that that possibly the courses weren't up to the test for the standard that they were able to play at. So somewhere like uh, Pebble Beach is r- really going to test everything about it. But I just think it's wonderful to see those events going to those courses as well. So look forward to keeping a, a good eye on that. I saw Stephanie Meadow as well was saying um, uh, somewhere in the paper there during the week about Leona that you know she'll bounce back from that disappointment uh, of the major that uh, it was a lot of pressure but she'll learn from that and look we're talking about someone who's um, very early into what's likely to be a, a phenomenal career uh, with Leona and Stephanie Meadow too 
Yeah, I think the fact that we're talking about that week of disappointment, she finished tied for eighth after yeah. winning the week before. So it just talks about the pressure that we put on our professional athletes where you know, winning two weeks in a row isn't quite good enough. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's the way it should be. Well, for um, our, our our golfers here at home, there's a busy uh, summer on the cards as well. The Challenge Tour coming from the 27th of July to the 30th um, and the ISPS Handa coming to Galgorm uh, Castle in Northern Ireland as well for the fourth consecutive year. Yeah, so the ISPS Handa is a, a brilliant event. It's a tri-section event between the DP World Tour, the LPGA, the Lady of the European Tour, where men and women compete in the same courses at the same time for equal prize funds which is a great event. So the event, that event that we mentioned has been going on for four years now. It's been taking place at Galgon Castle and on Castle Rock Golf League. So players will alternate which course they play for the first two days and then the final two days will be all taking place at Galgon Castle. So both the men and women for that will be competing for a fund of one and a half million euros. Then two weeks later, the KPMG Women's Irish Open returns to Tremont in County Clare and immediately following that, the Horizon Irish Open on the D2 World Tour kicks off at the Cape Club. This is all before the Salomon Cup and the Ryder Cup again. So when it comes to golf, like for golf fans, like you said, you can spend pretty much every weekend going to a different golf course, different golf tournaments all around the country. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I played the K Club a couple of weeks ago. It was in magnificent shape. They're really setting everything up for that uh the Horizon uh, DP World Tour event and they, uh, the, the course looks great so it'll be uh, well worth people going along to that and, and getting a good view of all of that classic golf. Um, just to finish, uh, the PGA Tour and Liv joining forces but it, it's it's still, it's funny, you know, there was this massive outcry earlier on in the year and uh, Liv were the enemy and then all of a sudden there's the massive U-turn and the PGA are joining forces and all the back Backlash that came with that from some players and other players coming into events recently. Where where is it standing now at the moment? I mean, is it all forgotten and all is forgiven? I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> a couple of players, definitely some of them, are still quite unhappy with the situation. Some mm. players, bigger names in particular, had nailed their colours to the mass of the PGA Tour. They said some pretty harsh words when it came to live, but I mean. Money seems to talk when it comes to when it comes to golf, and so now Liv and PJ Tour have kind of joined forces. On June sixth, they announced the creation of this new entity that would combine their commercial assets as well as those with the DP World Tour. So the DP World Tour, who owns the Ryder Cup, that kind of property would be going into this new company. So the PJ Tour would remain a non-profit entity, and mm-hmm. that would retain then full control over how its tournaments are played, as well as control over this new company. But all the PGA Tour's commercial business and all their assets, such as like TV rights, the likes of that, as well as image rights for the players, would all be owned by this new company. So within that, then as well, Live Golf League, which is part of the PIF, which is the, the Saudi Investment Fund, would also be going into this. So it's everyone's commercial assets be going into this deal. It's not really a done deal, though, unfortunately. As much as they, they may like to announce that this has been done and it's you know, been signed, the agreement still needs to be approved by the PGA Tour side, by the policy board, which is made up of a couple of independent directors, two of whom actually negotiated the deal, but also five players. So Patrick Cantlay, Charlie Hoffman, Peter Malnati, Rory McIlroy, who we know is not a big fan of this, mm. and Webb Simpson. And then after that, it starts to be uh, approved by the US Justice Department and then the European Commission. And that's really where it could get into a little bit of trouble because it could be seen as anti-competitive or monopolistic these three big entities coming together so 
There is really a definitive agreement at the moment. It's not clear whether this might be the type of combination that regulators like the Department of Justice or European Commission could try and block. Hmm. We're still in a little bit of limbo. Yeah, there's no doubt it's in limbo. I mean, if you look at um, Yasser al-Rumiyan, the governor, of course, of the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund, he's very much still backing live. I mean, they're putting 20... Five million dollars into Valderrama, full steam events, steam ahead for, for events in 2024. There's no let up on that live. I think a lot of people thought when this deal was going to be done that live would wander off into the distance, but certainly top name players, uh, the, the ones that were attracted over that made the thing, the likes of Phil Mickelson, Johnson, Kepka, Garcia, they're saying they don't want to play any more PGA golf. They're happy with the amount of golf that they're playing. So live is still definitely here to stay with the money being invested in it and there's work to be done to get those players back in the PGA events. There is indeed. And what I would say when this deal was announced, I was certainly with us that thought that the end of live was coming, not necessarily in the short term, but for some of the deals that the players like Phil Nixon and Brooks kept signed with live, they were four-year deals. Yeah. So this is year number two of that. So perhaps with the, those deals have not been renewed and then live just go into the sunset after the four-year deal. Again, it's also vague, it's also grey. No one will really know them at the moment. Coleman Goggins, the former Dublin skipper, will be joining us shortly to look ahead to the big one from a Dublin perspective, the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship quarter-final tomorrow against Mayo at Croke Park. That one getting underway at four o'clock. We'll also cast our eye over the other quarter-finals taking place as well. Sean Lane, our regular hurling analyst, joins us in studio. He's in the other corner today. Uh, we'll be reviewing uh, last Saturday's disappointing, to say the least, uh, quarter-final defeat to Clare at the Gaelic Grounds in Limerick. We'll be also hearing from Dubs boss Micheál Dunahoo on that one as well. All that to come and more over the next few minutes here on the programme. But we're going to start our news roundup with uh, the minor footballers who lost to Derry last Sunday in the All-Ireland semi-final in Armagh. 3-11 to 1-8 was the final score there. Shane Malarkey with the Blues goal. So disappointing to lose a semi-final, but uh, overall quite a good year for that group of players. And hopefully we can see a few of them come through the ranks to the under-20s next year. Uh, news during the week of the uh, Brian Mullins UCD GPA Graduate Sports Scholarship Scheme which was launched as well. This is for one male and one female member of the association. Monday the 31st of July is the closing date for applications and all details can be found on the UCD sports website of course uh, Brian um, almost a year now since we lost the great Vincent's man and great UCD man as well so if you're a current player looking to go to college next year this could be the scheme for you. Congratulations to the Dublin ladies footballers. They qualified for the quarterfinal of the TG Carr All-Ireland Championship with a 5.15 to 1.8 victory over Calvin at Kingspan Brefney Park last Sunday afternoon. Carla Rove Clonwira helping herself to three goals and six points for her afternoon. Great to see Sinead O'Hearn, two of the Sylvester's All-Ireland winning captain, making a surprise return to the team on the day. And speaking of ladies, uh, the big one for them on Thursday evening in Feathered and Tipperary at 7.30. It's the All-Ireland Under-16 Championship semi-final against Cork. So the best of luck to players and management in that one. 
Okay, well, I suppose all roads lead to Crow Park over the course of the weekend, don't they? But particularly tomorrow afternoon, as Croker will have almost a full house, if not quite a full house, for Dublin versus Mayo and Cork versus Derry in the All Ireland Senior Football Championship quarterfinals. Delighted to be joined now by a man who knows all about All Ireland's quarterfinals and semi-finals from his time with the Dubs, the great Coleman Goggins, us Volunteer St John's, joins us on the line this morning. Good morning to you, Coleman. Morning, Declan. What an intro. Thanks a million. <laughs> More than welcome. I forgot to throw in the all-star course. Yeah, That's, we have to we have to uh, upgrade you to that, in fairness. Um, but look, this is it. Do or die. Championship fever at its very best tomorrow afternoon. Coleman at Crow Park. The old enemy of Mayo. Let's talk a little bit about them first and their path to this quarterfinal. Like a few Mayo teams of years gone by, they haven't made it easy for themselves. No, before getting into that, look, it's great to hit this stage of the weekend where you're looking into big games, two today, two tomorrow. We've probably had a little bit of shadow boxing over the last number of weeks. I won't say there was foregone conclusion in the group stages, but certainly you could have picked out 10 of the you know teams that were going to come through out of the 12 fairly handy, you know, and not be surprised at what turned out. So it's great to get to a stage where it's knockout. Last week there was a little bit of jeopardy, I suppose. And a lot of jeopardy and results obviously then resulted in the qualifiers we have today. But you know, absolutely brilliant to be looking into the weekend and the matches that are there. And, and Mayo, as Mayo always do, give you a first half performance as they did last week, where it looks like they haven't met each other in weeks, and then come out and turn it around totally in the second half. I know there was a strong wind in Galway on the day, uh, and from a Galway perspective, they probably left a lot behind them in the first half. Probably should have been further ahead at half time, left the door open for Mayo, and there's no better team no better group of players and, and a very clever management team were able to turn that around and build on it coming into this weekend where they didn't get a lot of time to celebrate a great success over Galway. You know, the draw on Monday, both for Dublin and Mayo, was probably the real lighting of the touch paper for both counties where they now realise we're in the All-Ireland Series. As you rightly said, it's do or die and performance now comes down to getting a result to push yourself into an All-Ireland semi-final and I think... We're on for a cracker on Sunday, to be honest with you, Declan. Yeah, I was watching the, the Galway-Mayo game in Salt Hill last Sunday, and as soon as it finished, I turned around to the people I was watching with and said, I bet you we're going to draw Mayo in the morning. And sure enough, that's that's the way it, it has come out. We qualified automatically, Coleman, of course, as group winners. Two wins from three. Um, we drew with the, the only other Division 1 team we've played so far. That was Ross Common in our very first game. But what have you made of the progress of, of the team, the Dublin team so far this year? Are you seeing him Improvements week on week. Do you see it that the pieces of the jigsaw being slotted in nicely? Yeah, I think just looking at the, the squad for the weekend is probably the strongest one that Dublin have named in quite a while. I was just looking at the league program from the Clare game, and I was looking. There's probably five or six guys who started that day who are on the bench or not even in the squad for the weekend. So there's been a good rotation of, of players. There's some stronger players that come back. Some of the guys that are new into the setup have got a little bit more experience. So I think from a panel point of view, you know, Desi and his management team have done great work to get to where they're at going into the quarter-final. Whether the team that's named starts probably is questionable, but then you could say that about every Dublin team over the last number of years, so there's probably nothing new there. Uh, I think th- I think they've done well. I think the, the big thing, Declan, that uh, frustrates maybe Dublin supporters is that when we, we step back or when we allow teams dictate the pace of the game or dictate the terms of the game, we tend to look a little bit ordinary if you want to a better way of phrasing that maybe but I think when we, we set the tempo and we try to take the game to teams we can then dictate what happens and we become a much stronger team a much better team and I know you can't commit given the way the game is now at the minute 
bodies forward all the time. There's, there's a defensive element that has to be retained. But I think when, when we do commit, and not overcommit, but push forward, put the pressure on, the physicality, the experience, the know-how in getting scores and turnovers is really the area that Dublin need to hone in on both for this game and for the rest of their time in the Championship because that's what sets them apart from the rest of the group. So rather than matching what's going on or mirroring what opponents are bringing, if Dublin can stick to what they do and Delhi has advanced that a little bit in terms of the way they play, well then you give yourself a great chance to go out and win games. So absolutely tactics, you know, videos, looking back on the individual performance, probably goes out the window against Mayo because it tends to come down to who wants it more when it hits the last 10 minutes. But I, I do think that structure, that system and that way of playing benefits Dublin more than it does dropping fellas behind the ball and that, that slow uh, release of the ball into the forwards then causes more problems than it actually does good for. But I do appreciate the way the game is now that that defensive cordon is something that all teams have to apply at times. Uh, one thing we certainly don't want to see is a repeat of the incident in the Dublin Ross Common game where the ball was going over and back and back to the goalkeeper in, in six minutes. I think he touched it something like 25 times, the goalkeeper, in that period and the ball didn't advance beyond the halfway line. But look at tomorrow's team, James McCarthy, the skipper named as wing back with Jack McCaffrey on the other side. Great to see the Clontarf flyer back in the starting 15. And Cormac Costello has made enough of a return at the moment to be on the bench, although he may start tomorrow, as you say. A Dublin team always comes with a health warning when it's named. Before we move on to the other games, Coleman, are we going to be uh, looking forward to an All-Ireland semi-final in a couple of weeks' time from a Dublin perspective? Yeah, look, I think it, I think it's going to be a very tight game. I think Mayo will get a great bounce off the goal results, come into Crow Park with, with expectations maybe of, of turning over Dublin. They've had a bit of success in recent years against Dublin, obviously, and a, and a Poor first half performance result rewarded with a good second half performance. I think what it'll come down to, in all honesty, is the impact of the bench. And when you look at Dublin's bench, there is some impact players there who could have a huge bearing on how the result plays out. From you know Paul Mannion through Owen Merchant, and then even the likes of Kay Murphy's and Dean Rocks, Larkin O'Dell. These guys coming in as well and adding a bit of oomph to it. I think Colin Baskell has been brilliant for Dublin over the last couple of weeks, and I'm also. If you look at that full back line, the way it's lined up, it may not play like that, but with Darren Newcomb and Lee Gannon flanking Michael Fitzsimons and McCarthy and McCaffrey on the, the wings, what you have in the Dublin setup for the weekend is this huge amount of pace coming from deep. And I think that could cause huge problems for Mayo if we can get runners, strike runners on the ball to open up the, the attack for Dublin. So I'm, I'm banking on a bit of pace. I'm banking on the bench to add a bit of input too. But I think in the last... 10 minutes, you know, Dublin will creep over the line and give us a result to be uh, very proud of. Which means, of course, that your phone, my phone, everybody else's phone will be quite busy for the next couple of weeks with people looking for tickets, but it's, it's a nice problem to have in some respects. <laughs> we certainly yeah, hope look, that we will have it after uh, whatever time tomorrow evening. Anyway, take that. We get the result, we'll take the phone. Absolutely, the phone absolutely. Right, let's have a little quick run through the rest of the games. Uh, Derry versus Cork is on before us tomorrow afternoon. Two Division 2 teams, of course. Um, Coleman, uh, Derry won the head-to-head against Cork in the league but you have to take your hat off to John Cleary and what he's done in the Southern Capital particularly since losing the Munster semi-final to Clare Yeah, they're very good I watched the, the Roscommon and Cork game Roscommon were probably the better team on the day in terms of how they managed the ball and I know we spoke about the over and back there in the, in the Dublin game uh, but they often get so far on the ball and then are afraid to take a strike at the post and they leave scores behind them and as a consequence then leave the door open for Cork. 
And what Cork did was, you know, I won't say they threw caution to the wind, but they backed themselves to go and get a result against Roscommon, particularly in that second half. They pushed on, opened up, I think it was a six-point lead at a stage across the second half. Roscommon did well to, to bring it back to a draw game. But at no point did, did Roscommon break Cork, which was huge credit to John Cleary, that even when it was back to a draw game, Cork still believed that they could find a winner, which they did. You know, if the Derry game maybe an ask further than them I think it is I think the way Derry play the system that they have and they're so tight in terms of the amount of players that they use on a given match day that they all know their role they know their system they know how they're set up and I think that they probably have the measure of Cork so while Cork would be brilliant to get to this point I think Derry while they top Division 2 and the Division 2 side are probably closer to Division 1 than Cork might have met albeit they bet Roscommon so I'd favour Derry into that game because of probably just the way they're set up. They have a great forward line with Shane McGuigan leading it so well over the last number of weeks. And while Cork will certainly come with everything and have built huge momentum and huge belief in themselves, I think Derry are just that step ahead of them that should see them out the gap over the weekend. Okay. Time is racing away with us a little bit here. We'll just take the other two games quickly. Tyrone versus Kerry, the All-Ireland champions. Uh, Coleman, of the last two years going head-to-head, no safety net here tomorrow afternoon, or this evening, I should say, at Croke Park promises to be a belter. Who do you fancy to reach the last four from that one? Yeah, keep it tight as you. Uh, I, I think Kerry will come out on top, albeit I think Tyrone are going to push them all the way. They haven't conceded a goal since the Ulster Championship in four games they've played. They've got really good defensively, uh, Tyrone, but they need to be really good the weekend to put the shackles on David Clifford. I think he's ultimately the difference for Kerry, and can one man win you in All-Ireland? He can certainly get you close to it, if not get you over the line, as he's proven. They're probably light in the middle of the field versus what Tyrone have, so that'll be an interesting, an interesting battle. But I think unless Tyrone are able to some way quell the impact of David Clifford and Sean O'Shea in that too, I think they probably might come up short, albeit I see this going right down to the wire and it you know, could be a very physical encounter, could be everything we want in a football game, hopefully in terms of you know, that physicality in it and the work rate that both teams have put in. But just fancy Kerry because of the fact they have the superstar okay. that is David Clifford. And in a word then, the other game, the All-Ulster clash of Monaghan and Armagh. Can, can the geezer lead the Orchard County back to the last four? Can Monaghan uh, upset the apple cart? Probably has Armagh written all over it, but just the way Monaghan are going, I have a sneaky feeling that it could be one of those 10-9 jobs that Monaghan <laughs> get out the gas with, it, with a sneaky one-point win. So I'm going to... Stick my head on Monaghan, albeit it probably should be Armagh all day, but I'm going to go with Monaghan on that one. Okay, fair enough. Coleman, thank you very much indeed for taking our call this morning. Enjoy the pilgrimage to Croker tomorrow. It's always a privilege to be there. It's always a privilege as well speaking to yourself on the programme. Thank you very much indeed for taking time to take our call this morning. No problem. Thanks for the day. Sean there, who's with you. Yes, indeed. He was uh, saying hello to you there as well. Two great BSJ men, all day. Thank you very much, indeed, there to Coleman Goggins, uh, the former Dublin captain. So the interesting Sean, I think, is writing down his predictions there to see uh, can he match what he might have written down himself. We're going to turn our attention now to hurling. And last weekend, Dublin exited the All Ireland Championship with a heavy defeat to Clare at the Gaelic Grounds in Limerick, ending Championship 2023 at the quarter final stage. I spoke to Dublin boss Michal Donoghue post-match and this was his reaction to the defeat. I was hugely disappointed in it and uh, look I thought you know Clare got a good start on it uh, I thought our boys came back really well but obviously the goals you know midway and toward the end of the first half were a killer No it did absolutely and look three or four balls just made a massive difference for them and their experience shone through and look they were absolutely clinical when the opportunities presented itself and look they're a top team 
big learning curve for us today. You know what I mean? I genuinely coming down. I thought we were in we were in good shape. We were in decent position and uh, hard one to take. But look, that's uh, I think for for a team like Dublin and for us, like you, you have to get exposure in these big games. That's the only way you're going to get the experience. And as you're building toward that and and trying to be successful, look, you're going to have days like this, and, and that's that's the negative side of us. But I can't fault their attitude or application. I've said that right through. They've been top class missing a lot of lads from the start of the year and you know they, that didn't hold them back they pushed on but you know today we met one of the top teams in the country and you just got to learn from it Michal, we know the calibre of Donald Burke in the year that he's had and you know to lose him so early in the game was a serious blow to the lads as well obviously yeah it was it was hugely disappointment but in fairness to them you know they responded well you know we don't even off we were down the boys came back really well and just the goals before half time were, were just a killer and look for, for ourselves I said yeah uh, the ambition is getting Dublin to play in these games and look uh, yeah, the only way you're going to get experience is by playing in big games and today is tough it's a hard one to take but look you, you just dust yourself down and go again yeah, thanks indeed there to Michal Dunhu for his time, not only last Saturday in the Gaelic grounds in Limerick post that defeat to Clare, but all year as well. It's been an absolute gentleman uh, to deal with all through the league and championship. Sean Lane, hurling analyst with us in studio. Unfortunately, Sean, it is the end of the road, but as Van Morrison said, there'll be days like this, and there were, unfortunately, last uh, Saturday from our perspective. Yeah, Declan, very, very disappointing, but, <clears throat> you know, Sometimes you can have a reasonably good season and it ends on a bad day and and that's typical. It, it it you know we've had a lot of seasons like that as as other teams, but you know in the manner that you know and I think he he mentioned it there. I mean, they, Clare did get soft scores and 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 um, Clare's pace and strength and conditioning was was a little bit superior to Dublin. But Michal is right. I mean, you know, um, you, you know to, to to try and get through this and get to the pinnacle like where Anthony Daly had us you're going to have days like this as you said yourself and not going to sing it thankfully <laughs> no but it was just one of those days and, and everything went right and, and I think Michal summed it up there I mean when Claire got the opportunities Declan we did we gave them too much space and you know in behind the half back line when they did get possession there they were clinical in, in their score and Shane O'Donnell's goal Tony Kelly's three goals I mean We'll have to think about positioning somebody there, like a kind of a, an out half or a quarterback, is it American football? But it, it it didn't look good, and and um, you know I, I would agree with his point. I thought after Donald was when he was going off, I said, "Oh, here we go." But I thought the lads did respond to it. I've watched the game back twice, and you know it's very hard to believe. Like with, with thirty four and a half minutes gone, we were two seven to one seven down, and a couple of minutes into the second half, we were. 12 or 13 points down it all happened so fast but but that's championship and uh, I would agree with Michal I, I think Clare are a very very strong team and would certainly be contenders for this All-Ireland So many positives to take from the year new players introduced fellas stepping up who were under 20s and that only just a couple of years ago um, and contributing well to the year and the target was achieved of getting into an Ireland quarter final but it probably still doesn't dim the, the disappointment of the way it ended for them last week No it doesn't and and, and uh, we talked about Henry Sheffron getting the Galway team back after the huge disappointment of, of, of losing to Kenny and he did a good job doing that Michal is a kind of a slightly different job and he's a lot more time to do it but they'll need to talk this through and and, and uh, but I think no better man than Michal to do that I think he has a good rapport with the players 
I think he'll know what he'll have to do individually with some people uh, and also collectively. But but I do think he'll have to look at his system. And as I said, be it a sweeper, be it three midfielders with a defensive role for them. I don't know what he'll come up with. But you know, at that level, Declan, you you, you just can't leave big holes between your half back line and your full back line. I mean leaving on O'Donnell exposed and Paddy Smith like they're good backs and they were they were left exposed and like they could do nothing people were just running at them from 40 yards away and mm. as I said Clare's pace w- w- was incredible you know yeah well, well done to Clare on the day briefly on the other game because we want to move on to some domestic stuff happening in the county um, Galway overcoming Tipperary we spoke last week about that the mentality of Galway after the disappointment and the manner of the Leinster final defeat I think they fairly well gave us an answer to that last week they did Declan and and, and and they finished 120 to 118 and again I looked at the tape of that having watched it live uh, Galway could have been 322 or 323 you know I, I'd be looking at Tipperary and Liam Cahill I mean you know I mean their last two games I mean they were very poor and, and, and if you saw his interview after his Declan he let you know that they just didn't get a performance um, and equally they lost to Waterford so um, but but Henry did his job he got them there um, they got themselves right they just about got over the line they missed an awful lot they were very squandered an awful lot of reasonably easy scores on top of that as I said you know, had Galway got the three twenty two or twenty three, you'd say that's about a fair reflection of the possession that they had. Two cracking semi-finals then to look forward to over the course of next weekend. Before all that, of course, the go-ahead Dublin Senior Hurling Championship will begin in a couple of weeks' time. But there is a big appetizer, I think, for this out in my part of the world, O'Toole Park, home of Crumlin GA, on uh, Wednesday evening. It's at 7.30. It's the final of the go-ahead Adult Hurling League. It's Nafina versus Ballyboat and St. Denis. It's North versus South. Tremendous appetizer to get the... Um, turnstiles in Crumlin ticking nicely I'm sure uh, on uh, Wednesday evening Sean one to look forward to yeah that should be a good game and I suppose if you look at the league Declan and we, we haven't covered it much but Vincent's were the you know the front runners for a long long time and just lost a couple of games in a row but Nafina look they'll be without Donald Burke but you know they've been tipping around there beating in two county finals some smashing players Bowden like won't lose in this. Bowden went to the league final last year against Lucan and absolutely Lucan. I think Declan, if I'm right, they got 30 points in the league final last year. So Bowden won't like that. It, there is silverware at Division One Senior League medal. There's nothing to be sniffed at. And uh, you know, Bowden in particular, they're trying to build a new team. They've some new young players in there. So this will be a big uh, game for Bowden. And uh, I half fancy Bowden to come through it uh, over Nafina. B-O-D-E-N that's what Sean Lane says yeah, he might be right but I think Nafina would appreciate the title too to give him that confidence boost ahead of that championship and don't so forget uh, Mr Drake we got our two predictions right last week as well I ta- I, as, I as tip, the previous week I tip my hat to you Mr Lane <laughs> that's, why, that's why we keep bringing you back because you keep getting it right Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself Ken and Reggie have a good weekend. <laughs>